We've been looking at hospitality the last few weeks, and we're going to continue that today because we believe it's a great way to share the goodness of Jesus uh, with other people. And as Christians, that's really what we're all about. And so today we're going to look at what happens when hospitality goes wrong. And what we don't mean by that is that the meal gets burnt, or someone knocks a drink over, or someone says something that horrifies everyone else in the room. This is a story about someone who thinks they're doing everything right to be hospitable, but it turns out they're missing the most important thing. We're going to read it. It's in Luke chapter 10. And it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is just a short episode, really, in God's word. And it's God's word to us. And we're just going to look at what Martha got wrong, what Mary got right. We're going to think about, are there dangers for us? Are there things that we might get wrong? Um, And what are the things that God wants us to get right? Because actually, when we get this right, we will be helping more people to see and love Jesus. And if we get it wrong, we might be working really hard trying to let people see Jesus, trying to introduce people to Jesus, and yet not be able to do it because we're missing the most important thing. And that would be terrible. And we don't want that to happen. So let's pray that God would speak to us um, through this passage and through his word that he's got to bring to us today. Lord, we feel just aware of your presence. Uh, Again, Lord, as we've worshipped, as we've uh, taken communion, Lord, we've believed the promise that you say, "I, I dwell among you. Believe that you're here with us. And so we've, we've made space for you. We've focused on you. And now we want to keep listening to you. So help us, Lord. Give us ears to hear. And we're going to look at someone who listened and look at someone who didn't quite listen. So would you help us to be those who listen and those who obey? Amen. Amen. So Jesus spent the final three years of his life as a wandering preacher, and he was following a a tradition, uh, a Jewish tradition, in which um, a teacher, a rabbi, uh, would go around the place sharing their teaching, and as they went, uh, they would pick up followers, people who thought, this is someone worth listening to and whose life is worth imitating, so I'm going to go around with them as well. And this lifestyle meant that basically Jesus always needed somewhere to stay and something to eat. He didn't have a house uh, to go back to. And um, obviously, because he's the king of the universe, what he could have done when he came here was he could have just set up an enormous palace and been staffed by everyone and demanded that people come in uh, to his throne room where we were sitting and just declare things to them. But he didn't do that. He did basically the opposite, which was he made himself dependent on other people and he went to where they were, that they might hear from him, and that they might meet him. And in chapters 9 and 10 of uh, his account of Jesus, Luke tells us that Jesus twice sent out some of his disciples to tell others about 
him. And I think it's fair to assume that what he told them to do was what he had been doing as well. He told them, go, in, go from town to town, village to village, go wherever there are people, go in there, find someone who is prepared to put you up whilst you're there, who's prepared to listen to you and host you and stay with them until it's kind of time to move on, go to a new place, and then go to that new place and do the whole thing again. And in the second of those sendings, uh, he tells people to go in pairs, and he says, go to the places where I'm about to go. So they're, they're like the kind of advanced party, and they're declaring who's on his way. Um, and then, there's, so there's a good chance that then when Martha was in one of those villages, it's done in chapter 8, Jesus says, go out to where I'm about to go. And in chapter 10, he goes to a place. So it's probably one of those places. So almost certainly, there would have been a pair of disciples who'd gone into Martha's village and talked about Jesus, and she probably said, oh, you can stay with me, and she thought, this sounds really interesting. And then a little while later, she hears, oh, he's actually coming here. Jesus is actually coming. He comes into the village, and the disciples, probably the ones who had been to the village before, said, well, that was a, that's the lady whose house we stayed at before. And she would have said, absolutely, in you come. And there's, there's a connection between welcoming Jesus and welcoming his message and having everyone round that runs throughout the New Testament. So we haven't just thought, this would be a nice thing to do. It would be nice to talk about hospitality. We've recently been talking about telling about Jesus. Now, this happens again and again and again in the Scriptures. So back in Luke 5, I preached about this a few weeks ago. There was a tax collector called Levi. Jesus said to him, come and follow me. Come and be one of my disciples. Levi said, absolutely. And his first thing to do in response to that was to hold a huge party for Jesus. Later on, In Acts 16, we read about a woman called Lydia. She becomes a Christian, and she says immediately, well, come into my home. Come in, and let's tell more people about Jesus. A jailer who gets saved does the same. And we've been saying that this is a culture where meals meant association and acceptance. And so those people hosting those meals were declaring and celebrating that that Jesus was now their Lord, that they now belongs to him, that they loved him, that they were amazed by him. And as they did that, they were going to bring more and more people into that because they would say, wow, Jesus is wonderful. Hey, come in and hear about this. So Martha opened her home to him and everyone else who came along with him. So there's a lot that this painting by Velázquez gets really right. I love his expression of Martha, but there was more people there than that painter wanted to paint. Okay, there was, we don't know the numbers, but we do know that hosting a crowd is no easy thing, and Jesus usually brings a crowd with him. And so when you're doing that, there's welcoming to be doing. You're like, okay, hello, you're coming in too. Oh, and you as well. Oh, there's some more. Okay, fine. In you come, right. Okay, we need to probably increase our plans for cooking. I need to go and tell the people who are doing the cooking to do some more cooking. Right, is that finished? Okay, that's ready. We can take that out. Brilliant. Good. Out it comes. Here you go. Here's some for you. Here's some for you. Okay, you're gluten-free. That's absolutely fine. I'll just go and get some more. That come back here. Okay, right, vegetarian. Okay, sure, no problem. We'll make all these things happen. Um, could you just help me with this? That'd be brilliant. Come on, off we go. We've got count. Oh my goodness, we're getting some mess already there's already a crowd okay right we'll just clean these plates up let's just take those off clean those off okay come back here great right you finished yours now that's brilliant okay yeah of course I'll take those plates I'll just take those ones off could you just do that could you just and she's doing this and she's doing this and there's just noise and there's bustle and there's just you know there's as many requests as there are people there could I just have something could you tell me where the toilet is could we just do all these things are going on and Martha's a practical kind of person she's the kind of person who's like I know what this culture demands 
I know what hospitality means. I know it takes a lot of effort. Here we go, I'm doing it. But at some point, she realizes that she's kind of doing it alone. And she's got a sister, and her sister's not helping her. Worse than that, not only is her sister not helping her, her sister is sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. That phrase that Luke uses, that she sat at his feet, is a technical term. It means to be someone's disciple. It means to have committed yourself to have learning, to have learned from them. So it's not just that she just happens to be there and he happens to be talking. She is very, Mary is very deliberately saying, I am going to be a disciple of this man now. And most Jews thought that was something that only a man could do. Now, Jesus knew better. In Luke chapter 8, we're told that soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, uh, the guys who he had chosen, who he was ultimately going to send out uh, to spread his message. It says the 12 were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Jesus having women literally following him around as disciples, just the same as the guys, was very unusual. Now, whatever Martha thought about those other women, she's unlikely to have wanted her own sister to be involved in that. You know, it's something that everyone else looks down on. No one is else thinking this way. What's Mary doing? And worse than the fact that Mary's doing that is obviously the fact that by doing that, Mary isn't helping. So it's a double bad thing. And so whilst her sister sits at Jesus' feet, Martha gets in Jesus' face. She comes up to him and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And that's one of those questions where there's only one answer expected. Okay, she has structured that question. So the answer, Jesus, the answer Jesus should give is, yes, you're absolutely right. And that's what she goes on to say. She follows it up with, tell her then to help me. Of course you must care. Well, how's Jesus going to respond? Jesus could be as blunt as anyone if he wanted to. And there's many a proud question and questioner come to Jesus been humbled by what he said. Come in loudly, left a bit more quietly. But that's not how he treats Martha. Martha, Martha, he says to her. That's the kind of thing that repeating her name, it's the kind of thing we might do to try and calm someone down and to express some affection. Well, Jesus does that two other times that I can think of. He talks to Simon Peter about um, how Simon was going to deny Jesus. And he says, Simon, Simon, I've been praying for you. And he, talk, he says this as well to the city of Jerusalem about its rejection of him and, and, and Jerusalem's rejection of all God's prophets. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed that you would come to me and listen to me. And so there's a loving care in what he's saying. And there's also a concern because of what is at stake for those whom he's addressing. And what's at stake for Martha here? Well, she's obviously stressing out, because there's a lot going on. But Jesus goes deeper than that. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, this is, there's a big crowd here. See, he knows everything about her, in the way that he knows everything about you, and everything about everyone. 
And he knows what the real issue is for her. He says, you're anxious and troubled about many things. The same way he said, Simon, Simon, I'm worried about what's going to happen to you. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I'm worried about what's going to happen to you and I love you. Martha, Martha, I'm I'm concerned for you. He says, you're anxious. He uses a similar word to anxious, same kind of root word, in Luke 8, again, he tells a parable to describe how some people who hear about him don't keep believing in him because they, get, they just get overwhelmed by the anxieties, the cares of this life and the pressures and the pleasures of this life as well. And instead of growing into a fruitful plant, all those cares and worries just kind of, they, they choke the person like, like thorns choke a plant. So Martha may have welcomed him into her home, but she's got so many other things pulling at her, at her attention. She's worrying about so many things that she is in danger of missing the only thing that really matters. And so he uses the contrast that she made with her sister to gently correct her. He says, if you want to talk about what Mary's doing, we can do that. Mary's doing the best thing, Martha. She's chosen the good portion. And I think what he's saying here is, Martha, I'm here. She might reply, I know you're here. It's because you're here that everyone else is here and that all this stuff needs to happen and Mary isn't helping me. And he says, yes, because I'm here. Here in her home, was the very presence of God. The eternal image of God had taken on flesh and come into her house. And all the goodness of God was now in her house. The the joy of God that can never stay beneath the surface for too long would have been breaking out. Again and again, the love of God that anyone can encounter if they'll just look at him and listen to him. There was a wholeness in what he said and in what he did that clearly wasn't a show, but was simply who he was. People had no fear around him that he was going to sin against them or that he was going to let them down. Instead, the only real uncertainty they had was, what amazing thing is he about to do? What incredible thing is he about to say? People who were desperately in need would come to him and would be transformed by him. Now, famously, this often took the form of physical healings. People would limp to him and run off from him. They would come bent double, they would leave standing tall. They would come unable to see him, unable to hear him, unable to speak, and they would leave seeing, hearing, speaking. But he would also say to people, your sins are forgiven. And in that moment, a lifetime of guilt or sorrow would just go from them. Like no one any of them had ever seen. He was the pure beauty of a human being living exactly as they were meant to. And Martha is close enough to see him face to face 
but she doesn't see it. She thinks she's doing the right thing. She is working hard. She is serving. But something happened in Luke 9 that tells her she's not got it right. In Luke 9, Jesus is, goes up a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he is transfigured. He, is, he suddenly becomes, you suddenly see the glory that's in him the whole time in a much more obvious way. He shines like light, and Moses and Elijah join him, and then there is a cloud, and the Father speaks from the cloud. And what does the Father say? This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So when In chapter 9, God tells everyone to listen to him. And in chapter 10, there are two sisters. One of them listens to him and the other one doesn't. Why should you be listening to this one? Well, we've kind of described it, but I just want to go over it one more time. Jesus says to Martha, one thing is necessary. It's an interesting choice of phrase. One thing. Here's King David in Psalm 27. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. Jesus says, Martha, there's one thing you need. Jesus, who knows the Psalms, back to front. Psalm 27 says, one thing. To dwell. To be with God. To gaze upon his beauty. To see him. To inquire in his temple. To hear him. What is the longing of Israel's most passionate king? What is a a level of intimacy between God and humans that hasn't happened since the Garden of Eden? Martha, it's happening in your house right now and you are worrying about the dishes. Jesus promises that Mary will never lose what she's chosen. By doing so, he implies that it's there for Martha Two. So what I'm going to want us to do today is I want us to just bring our attention back to Jesus and, and to focus in on him again. And I'm just going to say as quickly, I was going to say in a lot more detail, but this isn't Mary versus Martha. This isn't, are you more of a Mary or a Martha? It's not that. Martha's not far wrong, but she's missed the most important thing. Okay, Jesus talks otherwise, elsewhere to people. It's like there's a, a, a risk for them. Sorry, hang on. I'm just going to think if this makes sense to say it or not. Okay, yeah. So what I'm not saying, very quickly, is that Jesus is against doing hard work. Right? Just to be clear. You've been a Christian for a while. You're pretty sure of that. He says, literally, the, the story Luke records just before this story is the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay? So the Good Samaritan, what is he famous for? Sitting and listening? No. Doing good. Okay? Jesus says in Matthew 25, the kingdom of God is going to those who give food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, welcome to the stranger, clothes to the naked, comfort to the sick, and com- company to the imprisoned. He says, if you hear me and then don't do what I said, you haven't heard me. 
So Mary sitting and listening isn't simply she's having a lovely time. She is worshipping him and she is learning from him and she is going to put that into practice. But whilst he's there, Martha, don't do the other thing because if you only do the other thing, if you only do the hard-working thing, what often happens is the reason for doing that gets lost. Everything about you becomes the thing. Jesus actually said this to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, which I've written here somewhere. There, Jesus says to them, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you've not grown weary. What a church. What a great church. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be part of that church? I have this against you, Jesus says, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. All of those good things they were doing. Incredible endurance, Patience, wisdom, hating evil, loving good, all the things that we think, yes, that's what a church should be about. And Jesus says, I don't want it if you don't love me. I don't want it if it's coming out of some other place. And the danger with it is, the danger for Martha was like, it could come start from a really good place. There's so much to do. I'm just going to do that thing. I need to keep doing that thing. I'm doing it for God. I've got to keep doing that thing. Doing that thing. I'm doing it for God. I'm doing it for... But there's a very real danger that because we're, we're doing all these things, we lose focus on for whom we are doing it and, and to whom we are doing it. There's a danger we end up loving the work more than we love the Lord. Or we keep gritting our teeth and getting on with things. And actually, as we do that, this kind of unspoken resentment at the one who's forcing us to do all this work starts to get into our heart. And we maybe don't love him as much as we thought we did. It's a real danger. It's also a real danger that we, we just say we love Jesus and then we don't do anything. And so Mary and Martha aren't about extremes, which of them are going to be. They're, they're both in the middle. Mary, Jesus says, has got the right thing. Martha's close, but she's not quite got it. And because the danger for us is that we don't quite get it, we have to keep bringing our attention back to Jesus. Jesus wants to draw us into a discipleship that is like Mary's. That we, that we know and love God. It's not one option amongst many. It's not like, well, that's a personality type. That you really loving of God. I'm, I'm, I've got some work to do. It's not an option. You can't do it like that. He calls all of us to love him, to see him, to rejoice in him, to celebrate him. And so we're going to do that. Ben, do you want to... Gap. I apologize, it hasn't been as clear a way of describing this as I would have liked it to be, but that's fine because we're just going to bring our attention to God. Why don't, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand? So we don't see Jesus as they did, Mary and Martha, he's right there. He, you can see him in the room. For us, we're believing by faith that he's here in this room by his spirit. So you might think, if I could see him, 
If I could see him right there, of course I'd be right there. But Martha was right there and she didn't. And actually, Pharisees were nearby and they certainly didn't. But that, so there is a faith that sees him for his beauty, that sees him for his greatness. And for us, we're on the other side of the cross. And so when we look to him, when we bring our attention to him, we see him crucified, dying for our sins. We see him raised to new life and ascended to be at the right hand of God with all authority. From there, loving us and caring for us and bringing us into his kingdom and bringing other people into his kingdom through us as well. There's nothing greater that anyone could do for you. There's no one greater who did it. And so I just want us to give him our praise and bring our focus to him again. I want to encourage you to find other ways to do this during your week. But we're just going to do it now. We're just going to sing. Lord God, we just ask you by your Holy Spirit that you'd come right now and help us see you. Lord, we're just turning our attention to you again. Our mind is whirring. My mind's whirring, but we are bringing our attention to you and saying, God, show us more of yourself. One thing, one thing that we would see to gaze upon your beauty, to hear your voice, to be with you, Lord God. Help us right now to do that. Amen.